I've been listening to my friends, the missionaries out there. What's it like out there? A great dark curtain has descended over the Muslim world and can only be rolled back by this powerful, powerful person and his powerful message, Jesus Christ and the love of God. I became a Christian the first time someone read to me aloud John 3:16. God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. This great person, this great sacrifice, this great gospel message has yet to begin in many parts of the Muslim world. This is my mission. With love and respect, inviting all Muslim peoples to follow Jesus. 32 years ago, I came to this church and met Pastor Harry McDonald. He didn't know me, but he sized me up as a knucklehead. And, uh, and yet he took a chance. He says, okay, I believe the gospel needs to go forth, uh, even with the least of these. And so this church be began a partnership with the Blinkos in October 1989. We left for, Iraq, for the Middle East uh, the following January. And lo and behold, Saddam invaded Kuwait that year, and the next year, a, a miracle the size of the stone rolled away allowed us to go to Kurdistan, Iraq, the first missionary family to live in Iraq in modern times. We raised our family there, and all the things that I dreaded came true. You know, I had my list. You will live without hot water. You will live without electricity. You will go to the bathroom in a hole in the ground. There will be a price on your head. Yeah, it was only $25. Nobody could be bothered. It was pretty embarrassing, actually. <laughs> and the good news of Christ came that far to the Kurdish people of northern Iraq. Janice and I, my wife, returned there just this last September, a month ago, to see what God has done in the north of Iraq. But a great curtain of darkness still has descended upon the farther south part of Iraq, and so it was for the first time in our lives we were able to go to a place south of Baghdad where we have never, where no missionaries live and no gospel presence is there. And we took with us four people, and we believe that some of those four and some of their churches will bring the hope of Jesus Christ ever further into the Muslim world where the needs are arguably the greatest in all the world. Listen, friends, from the great hymn book of our denomination, the Presbyterian Church. God is working his purpose out as year succeeds to year. God is working his purpose out and the time is drawing near. Nearer and nearer draws the time, the time that will surely be when the earth shall be filled with the glory of God as the waters cover the sea. From utmost east to utmost west, where'er our feet have trod, by the mouth of many messengers goes forth the voice of God. Give ear to me, you continents, ye islands, give ear to me, that the earth may be filled with the glory of God as the waters cover the sea. And if you can think of anything better than that, you'll have to tell me, because I can't. No wonder Jordan Groom said, if God calls me to be a missionary, I would not stoop to be a king. God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself and giving us the ministry of reconciliation, not counting our sins against us. We are therefore, we are therefore, we are therefore Christ's ambassadors. As though God were making his appeal through us, I urge, be reconciled to God. 
This is the great calling of the Christian community. This is the greatest adventure he ever gave to humans, starting with Abraham and Sarah so long ago, telling them if they would obey him, they would be blessed, and they would be blessed to all the families of the earth. And so it began, this great all, all the families of the earth, all somehow beginning in Canaan, blessing the Hizzites and the Canaanites, somehow it would be, come out in the day we would finally get to the end. And now we're very close to the end, those last days. We are nearer to the end than ever, aren't we? And the great purposes of God have been partially fulfilled among the peoples of the world. Christianity has spread and brought the hope of Jesus Christ and civilization and the one another's and the golden rule and the Sermon on the Mount to many, many peoples, leaving a great unbegun task among Hindus and Muslims. This is the task that must be brought about before the end. Great people of God, give thanks that he has called us to himself and to his church and to his cause and that the good news of the gospel has come this far. I know we still have to take back the night in Burien and Normandy Park and in Des Moines and in Seattle, but I pray the good news of Christ would even begin among the peoples south of Baghdad, the Shia people of southern Iraq, where the light of the gospel has yet to begin. It's going to happen. I've seen the promises of God. And if all we have are the promises of God in the scriptures, isn't that enough for us to say, Lord, do among the Muslims what you said would happen in Micah chapter 4. In the latter days, the mountain of the house of the Lord shall become high and lifted up, higher than all the others, and the nations will stream up to it. And they shall say, come, let us go to the mountain of the house of the Lord that we may learn his ways and follow in his paths. And the Lord will settle the disputes between strong nations far and wide. And they shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. And they shall study war no more. And every man will live in peace under his own vines and under his own fig tree. And no one will make them afraid because the word of the Lord has been spoken. And if you can think of any better future for that than the Muslim peoples, you'll have to tell me because I can't. I've been listening to my friends, my missionary friends. And they will have a great reward for leaving all selling their possessions, crying to say goodbye at SeaTac Airport, and starting all over where there is no Christian presence with the message that Pastor Jimmy read in the, Kurdi the English language, Christ's words. I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also. This is where history is going. They too must hear my voice. This is the destiny towards which all the world is moving. The end which Christ foretold, and they shall be gathered into the one flock. Has it happened yet? Yes and no. Some yes in the Muslim Hindu world, some no. Before the end must come, we must see what Christ said would happen. God, do what you said would happen in Matthew when he said... This gospel of the kingdom must be preached to all the nations, and then the end will come. 
This is the only time in the Bible these six words are used. And then the end will come. I propose to you that of all the important things given to the people of God to do, there is one most urgent, and then the end will come. And if you can think of anything better than that, as I might have said. So I'm going to make a prediction this morning. Get ready to text your friends. You're going to say, you were there when it was first predicted. <laughs> what is about to happen in the history of the world? Get ready. Text your friends. I'm not a prophet. I'm not the son of a prophet. I'm from a nonprofit organization. <laughs> <laughs> what must happen before the end of the world? Unexpected things. There, you heard it here first. Text your friends. But these unexpected things happen through the hand of the one who said, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations. This is the great work that was given 2,000 years ago and which has had some success in what we now call the free world. Wherever Christianity has gone and prevailed to some extent, a free world has come into existence. And we are privileged to live in the free world. But a great curtain of darkness has descended out there. And behind that curtain, wicked things are happening. If you want to know where to pray, God deliver us from evil. You just get to that part of the world. They're very familiar with Satan. They know all, this is, there's a, enorm, a more enormous evil in the world that can possibly be explained by the wicked things that humans do to one another. There is a grip of darkness like C.S. Lewis talked about in Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. And I can, I can show you where a hundred Narnias are. You do believe in Narnia, don't you? Where it's always winter and never Christmas. Jan and I are privileged to fall backwards like Lucy into the, into the closet and find ourselves in the snows of Narnia, of northern Iraq. And the good news of the gospel came to the Kurdish people. There's a hundred more Narnias out there. And uh, I, I appeal to you, that's where your prayers need to go to. The places where the gospel is not yet, but as we move towards the last days, this is where the gospel must yet prevail in miracles, stone-rolled-away miracles that will astonish the world. Oh, God, do in the Muslim world what you said would happen in Zechariah chapter 8. Many nations will yet come, even the inhabitants of entire cities. The inhabitants of one city will say to another, come, let us go and entreat the favor of the Lord and seek his ways. I am going. This is the brave Muslim man or woman who goes first and breaks out of that fear cycle which causes so many that want to believe to be intimidated and held behind it. There will be brave men and women, and some of them will give the last full measure of, the, of devotion to the Lord Jesus Christ before the end. They'll be martyred. Very New Testament. Oh God, do what you said would happen in Psalm 67. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face shine upon us that thy ways may be known on the nations, thy salvation in all the earth. Let the nations praise thee, O God. Let all the nations praise thee. Then the earth will yield its harvest and God our God will bless us. God will bless us and all the ends of the earth will fear him. Has that happened yet? Yes and no. 
Oh God, do what you said in Psalm 47. Clap your hands, all ye peoples. The nobles of the nations will take their places at the, at the feast with the sons of Abraham. If I had a bell, I'd ring it for the good news. If I had a song, I'd sing it. If I had a train whistle, I'd blow it because they're coming to the dining car on the Lord's great train and before it pulls out of the station to end up in the Lord's glorious place because it is bound for glory. Many, many more peoples are coming over the hills even as we speak and it will astonish the world because these scriptures of promise given in the Old Testament like Micah chapter 1 verse 11, Malachi chapter 1 verse 11, from the rising of the sun to the place that it goes down, the name of the Lord shall be praised. These promises are just as incredible today as they were back then when beleaguered Israel was hearing from these prophets and you can forgive the Israelites, Israelis and Hebrews somewhat for saying, yeah, right, that's going to happen. The nations are going to come. But you write it on your Christmas card. Look, Isaiah chapter 9, verse 2. God, do what you said would happen in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 2. The people that walked in darkness have seen a great light upon those who walked in the valley of the shadow of death. Upon them a great light has shined. For behold, darkness shall cover the earth. Great darkness. This is Handel's Messiah, right? Great darkness has covered the earth, but the Lord shall arise, and the nations will walk in his light. Has this happened? Yes and no. And it must be for the great end. Oh God, do what you said would happen in all the scriptures. With the help of Teresa now, I've got a couple of slides to show here. Keep me on track. Good, the Gospel of John in the Kurdish language. Next. This is my favorite picture in all the world. Look at this. What do you see? What is the author trying to convey? Has this happened? The great feast. Let me tell you the scriptures that this kind of reality derives from. Oh. Matthew chapter 8, verse 11. Jesus Christ to the centurion. Many shall come from east and west and take their places. Take their places at the feast. Take their places. That means assigned seating. This is predestination. This is a Presbyterian feast. <laughs> Take their places at the feast with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Many nations. God, do what you said would happen in Isaiah chapter 25, 6 through 8. On this mountain, the Lord himself will prepare a feast for all the peoples. A feast of meat and wine. On this mountain, the Lord will remove the shroud of death that covers the nations and wipe away every tear, and death shall be no more. Can you think of any more needful message for the people that are beyond the dark curtain than this great God? Luke chapter 14, verse 23. Go to the highways and the byways and compel them to come in. My table must be filled before the banquet can begin. Has this happened? No, there's still empty places around the table. They must be filled. So let us be part of the thing that is the most urgent. God, do what you said would happen in Song of Solomon, chapter 2, verse 4. He invites me to his banqueting table because his banner over me is love. Oh, my goodness. The conjurings of the rest of the world that do not know our God about what God is like are pretty 
wicked conjurings of what he is like. But here we have revealed in the Bible and in the Holy Spirit and in our experience the God of love who wants you back. He wants you at the table. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you so that, so that. Come on, if you've been asleep in Sunday school and I, adults for all your life or too many years, listen to this. So that where I am, you may be also. Believe me, people of God, no other God that people have imagined or created or conjured wants you back again at the table of the Lord. Only this one. So wake up and love this one and pray to God that it might come true. Revelation chapter 3, verse 20. Behold, if anyone opens the... I, I knock on the door. If anyone opens the door, I will come into him and I will eat with him and he with me. He wants you back. This is the great good news. Let it revive your soul and let it be the impetus to let us go forth, tear down that dark curtain and bring about the purposes of God for the rest of the world. And if you can think of anything better than that, as I might have said. Friends, on some future day when this spiritual battle has been won, we will look back to this day and say we paid a great price and the price we paid was worth it. Some people see things as they are and say why. We dream things that never were and say, why not? With the love of God compelling and the fears of hell confronting and the Holy Spirit rewarding and the goodness of God empowering and the promises of God assuring and the witness of the martyrs looking down, we are going to expect great things from God and attempt great things for God. And we will give thanks to God that though we felt foolish like Moses, stuttering before the pharaohs of the world in our weakness, the same weakness that Harry MacDonald saw in me 32 years ago. We will proclaim the peace, the salam, the shalom that the Middle East and indeed the whole world needs right now. So I say, start spreading the news and all aboard. <coughs> this train is bound for glory. Get your ticket ready. It's about to pull out, but not yet. Not till all those peoples come and you know where they're going to meet. They're going to meet in the dining car. So I say start spreading the news. Joy to the world. Joy to the world. The Lord has come. He rules the world with truth and grace and makes the nations prove the glories of his righteousness and wonders of his love. And if you can think of anything better than that, as I might have said, all to thee, Lord God, all to thee, high King of glory. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever and ever and how long is that? And forever and ever. And when you get done with all the 